Welcome to Agriculture in North Carolina. Hello, farmers and friends. I'm Dan Miller. This program is all about our state's largest industry, agriculture. On this week's show, we chat with the dean. And if you're a regular listener to this program, that's exactly what I said last week when we talked to the dean of the School of Agriculture and Life Sciences at NC State University, Dr. Gary Fox. This week, we talk with Dr. Stephen Mathis, the dean of Agriculture and Biosciences at the University of Mount Olive. Before we hook up with Dr. Mathis, there's a few headlines making news nationally that will affect farmers in North Carolina. Jeff Turner and I will talk about that in just a hot second. I say hot because I think anything warm right now would sell, given our current weather. So, put your hands on the radio and feel the warmth of my sincerity. Ag and NC is made possible by Ag Carolina Farm Credit, First Choice Insurance Partners, and the North Carolina Department of Agriculture and Consumer Services. Got to be NC. Find links to those folks on our website, agandnc.com. Now let's bring in my co-host, Jeff Turner, COO of Murphy Family Ventures and member of the North Carolina Board of Agriculture. Mr. Turner, how are things in Duplin County? It's been cold in the original D.C. All this stuff about global warming, don't believe it. Do you hold any, any faith in the fact that if you have a cold snap for long enough, it kills off the bugs? This coming weekend, it's going to be 70 degrees in Hyde County. I suspect there'll be some mosquitoes around. (laughs) (laughs) Some movement on the federal front is going to affect farms here in North Carolina. The Supreme Court heard oral arguments last week on a case that may change the way federal policies are interpreted. Past writings by some of the more conservative justices on the Supreme Court indicate they're open to reducing federal agency power granted by a prior court's ruling. It's called the Chevron Doctrine. So named for the petroleum company Chevron. The doctrine directs courts to defer to federal agencies in their interpretation of the law. This allows federal agencies to regulate broad aspects of federal policy that Congress didn't explicitly address. A good way to think about it is whenever there's a gray area in the law's enforcement, the tie goes to the federal agency that administers the law. Farmers need to look no further than the enforcement of waters of the U.S. as an example. We talked about it many times in this program, but what does significant nexus mean in waters of the U.S.? With the interpretation of that left to the EPA, the agency's definition might not be what Congress intended. And when the administrations change, as we saw with Obama to Trump to Biden, the out-of-bounds markers on the field seem to be moving as well. The changing rules for WOTUS is just one example of how the Chevron doctrine affects farmers and consumers. No disrespect to the folks in government, the the staffers and the folks who run these agencies, no disrespect whatsoever. But, you know, if you pass a law and it's a bad law, but yet it's left to the interpretation of the agency to figure it out, I have no one that I can hold accountable because they're unelected and they're making decisions that impact how I operate my business. I'm pulling for us on this one. I hope that... uh, they overturn the Chevron doctrine, and, and we get back to doing business the way it was intended. And the folks who uh, we elect should be held accountable for the laws that they pass. Yeah, federal agencies so, making the laws was never what the founders anticipated. Uh, the founders never anticipated the morass that we have anyway. So <laughs> No, no. It, there were three hours of oral arguments. The conservative justices grilled the government lawyers about federal overreach, while the liberal justices argued removing Chevron and Hole would make the courts policymakers. It remains really kind of unclear whether a majority of the courts willing to overrule the Chevron doctrine, which would be a major legal victory for anti-regulatory interests, the court could narrow the doctrine and not explicitly disavow it. I totally understand you, you, you create a law 
You've read these laws. They're so complicated, I'm not sure the folks who even sponsored the legislation know what they sponsored. It's too complicated, and I think that's done personally. I think that's done uh, for just this purpose. I will make it so complicated that it has to have interpretation by somebody else. So, therefore, the law really is meaningless. It's left to someone else to figure out. And, and as you mentioned, from administration to administration, they all have a different thought about how it ought to look. And so, it, again, it's kind of hard to comply with an ever-changing tide, so to speak. This moving goal line is not acceptable to anybody doing business. No, not at all. Congress has cleared legislation extending the federal government funding into March. And for all intents and purposes, as we mentioned on the show, they kicked the can further down the road. Unfortunately, that March deadline puts the next continuing resolution conversation up against what the House was going to do that month, which was work on the farm bill. Well, it's just farmers. (laughs) A large constituency for many. You know, we're part of that 1%. We don't get a lot of... You know, you don't, they don't bring too much preference if it's only 1% of you that affects every person that eats or drinks. But anyway, I, I, I suppose they can continue to put us on hold again, maybe till next March. To follow, you know, uh, uh, 2025 is plenty of time. Sure, not a problem. We deal with deadlines. Government, not so much. Coming up on today's program, we talk to Dr. Stephen Mathis. He is the Dean of the School of Agriculture and Biological Sciences at the University of Mount Olive. That's coming up in just a moment. You're listening to Agriculture in North Carolina. Thanks to the North Carolina Department of Agriculture and Consumer Services, got to be NC, North Carolina's official business development and marketing program for agriculture. More than just agriculture, it's got to be NC. This is Ag and NC on Talk 96.3 and 103.7. We're talking with Dr. Steve Mathis, who is the Dean for the School of Agriculture and Biological Sciences at the University of Mount Olive. We normally start out on this program talking to guests that we've not talked to before. Find out a little bit about their background. So, not to put you on the spot, but shoot. I'd be glad to. So I started out my um, teaching profession after I graduated from NC State I went to a small town, Transylvania County, Bavard, North Carolina, and started my teaching there. And uh, I stayed in Bavard for uh, about three years. I was offered a position at Sampson Community College to start an ag science program there. Now, I was from Sampson County, so I moved back home at that time. When I moved back, I started the ag science degree and stayed there several years. And then I decided at that point I wanted to do some full-time farming and went out and raised livestock, hogs, cows, and sheep. Married a girl from South Carolina. We got married and moved to Sampson County, built a house on the farm. And I worked there for about 13 years. And then they called me from the community college and wanted to know if I would be interested in working again there and started an animal science program. So I went back to the community college at that point, which is a good thing for me because I tell people you never know when your boat comes by and sometimes you need to jump on it. 
So I jumped on the boat, and about that time, it got to the point that it was really hard for an independent swine producer to stay in business, you know, having a place to sell, and it was it was limited. During that time, I decided to go back to school and got my doctorate from NC State. The next week, Prestige Farms, they contacted me and wanted me to go do some consulting work for them. The Prestige folks are great people. I miss yeah. Bill Prestige on a regular basis. He, Bill used to call him, and we talked quite a bit. He's a, a great person, uh, served agriculture in eastern North Carolina well, uh, obviously. So today at Mount Olive, the program there is really taking off. I'm, I'm real curious, what's the pipeline of people looking like? The, the enrollment, is it up, down, sideways? Our numbers are good. It's one of the largest schools within the university right now as far as numbers. The agriculture and biological sciences is how it's grouped here as a school. If a young farmer goes out, starts from scratch, and he has no family um, background for it and no land available equipment, it is extremely, extremely hard to get started in, in, into the farming business, but it's not impossible. We teach agribusiness, which is another way a person or student could go, come in. He likes farming. Maybe he's going to farm a little bit on the side because he's got a few acres of his granddaddy's or his dad's, and he wants to keep farming or some woodlands and stuff he wants to manage. He can do that and then go into agribusiness. Um, so we're looking at that. We also have have a minor in ag leadership. That's a minor for people that's looking maybe to get an upgrade in the job they already have. They could, you know, that would benefit them quite a bit. Our ag ed department is very, very good department, and it produces a lot of ag ed teachers. Which a job there, a guarantee. I mean, if somebody wanted to come in and get an ag ed degree, and you wanted to teach tomorrow, I got a list last week of about 15 or 20 locations anywhere in the state you wanted to go that you get a job tomorrow. So it's basically a great way to get into agriculture and then maybe move on towards if you said, okay, I'd like to do some full-time farming or some sustainable-type farming or some niche farming, then this degree, what we have here, would allow you to do both. But we offer a lot of different classes in plant science. I'll mention that one, the animal science class, our pre-vet program that we have. We have that going on. So that's another form of the agriculture degree that they can do. We in North Carolina are so in need of large animal vets, we could almost pass the hat between farmers and come up with scholarship money. I mean, it's uh, that's something yeah. we are desperate yeah. for. Mount Olive has had a good ag program, expanded, I'd say, considerably under Dr. Sandy Maddox, who's, I guess, maybe yes. more of a crop person and you're more of an animal side person. Is that fair to say? I would think so. I do both, but yes, uh, I'm more on the animal side of the house, I guess, in that situation, uh, large animals. I was going to ask okay. you about the student farms. So the student farms, um, we got three now. Uh, one is uh, the one we're using mostly right now is the Carnegie Farm. That's uh, one Sandy Maddox. Dr. Maddox had uh, great effort in getting doing, uh, to getting going, and Carnegie Farm, she started, and it was it, it's growing really good. Uh, we got a lot of animals out there, goats and sheep and donkeys and stuff like that right now. No pigs, got chickens, and we're doing most of the uh, production farm stuff out there. We've added uh, aquaculture type thing um, there with our environmental, excuse me, ecology and natural resources program we teach here in this 
in this school, the ag school. While she was here, Dr. Maddox, when last spring, I think it was, uh, the ribbon cutting for the new building, a commodities building, we do a lot of our teaching out there. The farm is being used every day. Our other farm is our Shady Grove farm, and that gro- that farm is under uh, construction now at the point that um, the basic infrastructure is there, water, electrical, and Wi-Fi has just been finished out there. We're in the process of pre-planning and structural planning for a building. It's going to be more of a livestock training facility there. We'll have two sites, one animal sites, one plant sites. At the Carnegie Farm also, there was a commodities building built last year. That's the one, the last ribbon cutting. And that, hopefully, we're working towards getting small farmers in the area growing vegetable crops and stuff that has no actual area that is GAP certified to process that. They are small amounts of food products. It could be anything, turnips or whatever, that they can process and box up or bag up and deliver to a store or restaurant or sell at a farmer's market. We've got one more farm, and that farm is... um, we're using it mainly right now for our environmental classes. It's suitable for that. It's got some woodlands, got some grasslands, and uh, probably we'll cut some hay off of that land this summer. So that's our three farms right now. This is Ag and NC, and we're chatting with Dr. Stephen Mathis, the Dean for the School of Agriculture and Biological Sciences at the University of Mount Olive. More in a moment. This is Talk 96.3 and 103.7. Thanks in part to Ag Carolina Farm Credit. Financing rural North Carolina for generations. Lending solutions for farms, land, and homes personalized for you. Ag Carolina Farm Credit, giving you room to grow. I'm Dan Miller. Jeff Turner and I are talking with Dr. Stephen Mathis, Dean for the School of Agriculture and Biological Sciences at the University of Mount Olive. Jeff? As an employer, we're always looking for good folks to come to the farms, uh, whether it's administrative or whether it's working in the farm. We do quite a bit of recruiting at Mount Olive. Most of these folks, they, they have a job waiting on them, don't they? Every student that comes through here in the ag and biosciences are required, it's one of the degree requirements, is to have a, uh internship. So we, all of our students go out and do an internship one semester, they have to work so many hours, I think it's 120 hours or something, but they work more than that. That's the requirement for the class. And you're right. Most of them might have several offers before they graduate, if and they can pick and choose. If not, they're um, just waiting to see a job pop open where the location they want to go. Um, they can be that picky because the need for ag employees like like you well know jeff it's um it's out there tell us a little bit about the online degree programs for folks who are already involved in the farming industry and want to uh, continue with their education i know that's a thing now of course it never was back in the day you're out you got a bs degree you're working you're farming you're working in an ag business somewhere uh, and all of a sudden you say you know I think, and a lot of them are like USDA. It could be a USDA, already working in USDA or NCDA, and um, North Carolina Department of Agriculture. So you're working there, and you say, I'd like to move up some, but I realize that I can't move up unless I have a different degree or something added to my degree or minor. Well, what we have is uh, ag leadership. 
where you can take those online and those ag leadership classes fall into a minor. And then we had the ag business degree, and it is a really good uh, minor that you can add on to most any degree you have, a BS or whatever, and it gives you that background of, of how to run a business. Online degrees are working well. Another thing we're trying to do is variable time, variable place teaching. I'll explain that. We have the capabilities of offering classes by Zoom. So a student can, we can have 10 students here and maybe another location has some students or individual locations, even students at home. They actually see a professor, talk to a professor, ask questions to a professor. So it's an online hybrid type situation where you're here, but you're not here. You're you're at home or at another location, and you're participating in the class. So if we offer this class at 5.30 or 6 o'clock in the afternoon, two nights a week, then that would broaden uh, our whole our whole, our whole classroom would go, could go anywhere. We've got a lot of people who would like to come back to school but just can't afford to because they don't have time to. That's, that's basically what it is. Now, they do it in the afternoon or evenings. And one thing I didn't mention is um, we have a, academies, schools within a school, I guess you could say. We have three located right now, one at Nursba in the northeastern part of the state, one at South Johnston High School, and then one it's over around Charlotte. Those three locations are um, high schools where a student comes to high school. He can leave high school because he's a junior or senior. He can go to the community college and start taking classes. He takes what he can there, but while he's doing that, he can also take a class from us at that location, at his location. So we actually put somebody in that site with that class and teach it for us. And then they can take all their credits, their community college credits, their high school credits, and the credit they got for us from us while they were in high school and transfer it right into UMO. And we're actually going to we're going to go to the homeschool conference and see if we can tap in to some of the homeschool students and offer them classes via hybrid, some type of hybrid situation. Very cool. We've got a lot going on. We are trying to expand in every direction we possibly can think of and trying to get some ag professionals in the marketplace because everybody needs them. Dr. Stephen Mathis, the Dean of the School of Agriculture and Biological Sciences at University of Mount Allen. Pleasure chatting with you. Thank you very much. And any way I can help you or anybody, just give me a call here at UMO. I appreciate it. We'll have more Ag and NC in just a moment. Thanks in part to Donna Byram with First Choice Insurance Partners. Call Donna today at 252-792-1189. Let her protect your yield so you can stay in the field. You're listening to Ag and NC. I'm Dan Miller. Our thanks to April and BG at the Farmers Connection. Look for them coming up at the Southern Farm Show in Raleigh. The Farmers Connection is a newsprint magazine with information from dealers and suppliers right here in North Carolina. Check out used equipment prices from dealers like Mark Chesson and Sons in Williamston, Caps Trailer in Dover, Scott Land Plains in Columbia, and Premier Equipment at Rocky Mount, Enfield, Washington, and Aden. The Farmers Connection, online and available at independent farm equipment dealers all over North Carolina. Couple of reminders the Regional Soybean School is coming up on January the 24th in Ponzer, on the 30th in Lumberton. 
February 9th in Statesville, and on February the 13th in Goldsboro. You do need to register in advance, so head to ncsoy.org. And it's only one month away till the 2024 Ag Summit in Orange County, North Carolina. Join farmers and agricultural professionals from all around the state to discuss current issues, research, and education. That's February 19th in Hillsborough. Also, the Southern Farm Show returns to the North Carolina State Fairgrounds January 31st through February 2nd. It's the largest agricultural exposition in the Carolinas and Virginia. And Talk of the Town, Henry Hinton's program will be there broadcasting live once again this year, February 1st. That's Thursday morning. His guests will include Agriculture Commissioner Steve Troxler and the President of the North Carolina Farm Bureau, that is Sean Harding. Our broadcast is sponsored by Caps Trailers in Dover, Agri-Supply in Greenville and Garner, Harvey's Fertilizer and Gas Company, and by the North Carolina Soybean Producers Association. Show hours are 9 a.m. to 4 p.m. Wednesday and Thursday, 9 to 3 on Friday. Admission and parking are free. Now let's talk about commodity prices. North Carolina egg prices down for all sizes when compared to the prior report. North Carolina weighted average price quoted Thursday, January the 18th, for small lot sales of carton delivered grade A eggs, 217.05 for extra large, 212.64 for large, 190.22 for medium, and 146 for small eggs. Number two yellow shelled corn was off 10 cents since the last report. Prices ranged mostly 447 to 522 at the feed mills, 417 to 520 at the elevators through Thursday, January the 18th. Number one yellow soybeans were lower this week, ranging 1206 to 1252 at the processors, mostly 1121 to 1192 at the elevators. Number two red winter wheat was also down, ranging 552 to 571 at the elevators. That's this week's Ag and NC. Subscribe to the longer free podcast version on Apple or Spotify or download the IBX Media app. Thanks to Ag Carolina Farm Credit, First Choice Insurance Partners, and the North Carolina Department of Agriculture and Consumer Services. Got to be NC. Ag and NC is a production of Interbanks Media, copyright 2024. To advertise on the broadcast version or the statewide podcast, head to our website, agandnc.com. For Jeff Turner, myself, Dan Miller, make it a great week.